Attention friends, family members, co-workers, and random strangers. The following podcast includes filthy language, sexual content, and explicit personal stories. Please listen at your own risk, and we really recommend using headphones. Greetings and welcome back <laughs> to Listen You Beautiful Bitch. This is a shady self help podcast for our younger selves. I'm Sandra. I'm Hannah. And I'm Katie. And Susie is working like a dog. Yep, she's a hard working professional lady. She's out there like woof, woof, woof. <laughs> She might be like I I've never seen her do that personally, but she might. I'm not saying she's not doing it. I'm, just, I'm not putting myself out there to say she is. Yeah, I'm not putting money on whether or not she's doing that. That's what hardworking dogs sound like. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, Susie has to support us, so thankfully she's out there making money. Mm-hmm. Um, but we miss her, so just the three of us this time. Yeah. How's everybody's week gone? Mine's been good. Had a migraine on Tuesday, so that was fun. Yep, thought I was dying. Legitimately thought I was having an aneurysm. So, like, my vision went out in my left eye, and I was like, all right, this is how it ends. This is is it. But other than that, I'm feeling great now. Spoiler alert, I didn't die. So. You're alive? I'm alive. Here I am. You... Wow, you look great. Tina and I had the Ouija board out earlier. I'm I'm starting to think I don't look great, but I have, like, this, like... Maybe she's dead and we just love her anyway kind of thing. Like Not at all. I'm just thinking like if you were dead, I wouldn't believe you. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was weird. <laughs> what? I don't understand mm-hmm. anything you're saying anymore. <laughs> I have um, an eighth sense. <laughs> of not knowing whether people are dead or not. Yeah. So wait, you yeah, have the five normal ones. What's oh, six s- and seven are, yeah. Do you want me to tell you what they are? Yes. Yeah. Gaydar. <laughs> <laughs> Number six. Seven, I just always know when my pasta's done. <laughs> That's true. That is absolutely that true. Actually, I don't yeah. have to count my minutes with the pasta. I just know. I see it. I'm you like, you're it. done, babies. <laughs> Come to mama. Get in my belly. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay. <laughs> How's everybody else's week? <laughs> Glad it's Thursday. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's pretty much Friday. That's right. Which means it's the weekend. That's right. Let's start drinking. Oh, yeah. I've, Why don't you say that to well, me? Well, I'm already drinking some <laughs> red wine out of a Bota box. Yeah, that's classy. Those that's, are fancy. Just a classy say. box wine. Uh, my week's good. I got an IUD today, so that was fun. Fucking brutal. Yeah, it was brutal. But now I can't feel it thanks to um, my Cabernet. <laughs> <laughs> Wine saves the day once again. I just want my husband to come in me. You know, that's all I want. This is all I want. They <laughs> can come out of my belly button, okay? I'm so tired of just imagining little spermies swimming in my belly button. Like them trying to live. Like then you know they're going to die. They're And they're like, Aah! you can imagine it's like a fucking... They're like trying to get in through that little yeah, they're, where yeah. your umbilical cord was. They're, they're like, like, fuck, what? My is it belly so button hard? is probably scarred. <laughs> I'll be like, stop. <laughs> he needs a cigarette after. after right. Aw, poor thing. Anyway, so thank God for IUDs. Now I don't have to worry about those swimming guys. 
you know, now it's all just internal. I don't have to see it. Yeah. <laughs> I have to see them die. Maybe just in the toilet after. It's fine. That's way better. I'd rather see bubbles in the toilet than have soup in my belly button. Just let them drown. <laughs> just flush it quickly. You won't have, don't look down. That's like when you're, wow. <laughs> it's like when you take a shit at a party, mm-hmm. you don't want it to smell, you just flush it immediately. It's called a courtesy flush. Yeah, you're like, you're like flush it as soon as it comes out. You're like, as it's coming out. Flush, 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 flush. Sometimes the flush will cover up the sound too. So and sometimes flush. it'll, but be careful. Get up off that toilet. It might, it might flash up at you. Oh. Splash up at you. Yeah, Splash your butthole. That's the worst. That little cold surprise. And you're like, wow, that probably had poop particles in it. <laughs> I call it the car wash. <laughs> <laughs> wow <clears throat> how did we get on this i don't know uh, iud's what are we doing sandra intrauterine devices <laughs> has a sperm waiting pool in her belly button mm, no i don't that's not just the, like the pool on the cruise ship yeah. everybody's gonna hang out <laughs> it's where the kids pee yeah <laughs> pee poop they have to close it it's always warm <laughs> oh. okay so this is a friendly reminder to everybody to wash out your belly button i feel mm-hmm. like it's often ignored yeah, I feel like my belly button is just gonna be happy for a while, though. You know, yeah. had too much trauma in the past <laughs> few years. I'm like, I am fucking tired of this shit, Sandra. <laughs> Have y'all ever gone down on a guy and he's had like a nasty ass belly button? That's only happened to me one time, but it was it was traumatizing. Wait, I don't know that. Why I've would ever... you look up at the belly? Button? No, like as if you're going down his body, right? Oh, like, so you're I thought... coming down, and all of a sudden your eye level with the belly button. You're like, that thing is nasty. Like, what else is gross? Because sometimes here? they're crusty. Yeah, they're. Sometimes clean you it don't out. Clean that. <laughs> Katie's checking. <laughs> I think one's good. To me, belly buttons are fucking sacred. Like, that was when you were born, and that's a sign that you were fucking born. Yeah, that was your Also connection. being alive, too, but, like, when you see that, it's like, that's where that cord that's was cut off. you. To your mom. Mm-hmm. And her lifeblood. Clean your fucking belly buttons, <laughs> clean people. Clean your fucking belly buttons. What is the actual medical term for a belly button? Umbilical. Hole. Cavern. Sphincter. Ooh, umbilical sphincter, yes. God, I hope that's it. <laughs> um, it's probably something stupid. The navel. That's it? Mm-hmm. That's just boring. That's such a letdown. I like umbilical sphincter. We're renaming it. Yeah. <laughs> Don't touch my sphincter. Everyone needs to clean. This is their my umbilical sphincter. Umbilical sphincter. <laughs> Let's create an, um, and sell it on Amazon an umbilical sphincter cleaner. Yeah. Like a little, like, it's like a little bottle brush. Yeah. <laughs> swirl around in there. But does it make you tickle? <laughs> yeah, like you put it between your palms and like like you're starting a fire. Yeah. Swirl it back and forth. <laughs> We're going to be rich. <laughs> Shark Tank, here we come. All right. Who's who's going to be the model, though? Someone's going to have to demonstrate. Oh, I got it. Okay, Sandra. Okay. I can tell Mike to come on me just for that day. <laughs> and then we can... Um, Don't get used to this. It's for Shark Tank. It's this for the advertisement. <laughs> and we're going to use our umbilical sphincters cleaner <laughs> to get all of your cum out. <laughs> It's going to be made from silicone. <laughs> it's easy to clean. Bowsers. Okay. All right. We're patenting that. Nobody steal it. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you guys for listening to this nonsense every week. We still don't know why, but we appreciate you. Um, if you haven't already, please tell your friends. If you enjoy listening to us, tell more people. Uh, the more we can get people to listen, the more fun we can have with this. Um so yeah listen follow rate review subscribe on let's see 
What are social media? What is what is life? What is, what is social media? Social media. Theoretically. Okay, so we're on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. So Instagram and Twitter, it's LYBB underscore podcast. Uh, Facebook, it's just Listen You Beautiful Bitch. And then we have a website, which is listenyoubeautifulbitch.com. And on there, you can find all the episodes plus kind of behind the scenes stuff on the blog and our Hey Bitch forum where you can send in your thoughts, concerns, questions, drama, anything that you may want our opinion on. We're happy to read it and get back to you. It's completely unqualified. We want to always lead with that. We're not professionals. We just have opinions. So send it in. And then finally, rate, review, and subscribe, um, especially ratings and reviews on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. Those are hugely helpful in helping other people find us. And share us with your friends. Word of mouth. Word of <coughs> mouth. You okay? Those words. The words got caught in my mouth. Choking. Uh, word of mouth is the best way to help us grow. Tell your friends. Tell your family. Tell your neighbors. Tell your, tell your weed peers. dealer. Re- tell your weed dealer to call us is all we're saying. We need advice. <laughs> so we can help them find the Lord is why they need to call us. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Lord and Savory. Lord and Savory. Cheese and rice. You know, my theory is um, Jesus rose from the dead, right? But like, I really think. Is that your theory? But like smoke rises. I think. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, let's just all like rise. You know what I mean? I think Jesus. Right. Like, get high. Really buried himself and turn into weeds <laughs> and now everybody's happy because of him well you know like you eat those crackers in church like maybe we've been doing the wrong thing maybe we've been ingesting the wrong part of christ right it's because weed. crackers are made from fucking wheat wheat sounds you got like it a wrong. typo sounds yeah, like a typo. typo in the bible yeah they you heard just, it here they first God damn it they just didn't know yet <laughs> Or, th- or some i bet some of them knew <laughs> they were out there like Girl. who who was jesus's mom Mary. Mary. Who was Joseph's Josephus? Josephus? Mm-hmm. Jesus's stepdad. Joseph. Kind of like Juan. Mary Juan. Juan. Nah. Juan is He's- Spanish for John, but it's pretty much Joseph. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about Jose. Uh, Juan <laughs> is Joseph, obviously. Oh, I totally forgot about Jose. That's definitely the Spanish Joseph. So, but, but Mary John. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're coming up with some this good is, stuff here. We're making connections here. <laughs> did I smoke before this? I feel like I did. Uh, we can. We, can we? <clears throat> oh, yeah. We'll be right back. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> no okay. Really. Cool. Well, let's move on, guys. Okay. So... Today, we're going to be talking about anxiety. This is the second episode of our mental health series, and that is what we were talking about today. So if you do have anxiety or you get anxious just from hearing us possibly talking about anxiety, which we're going to, by the way, <laughs> is that a good way of saying that? If you, trigger warning. That's what I'm trying to do. <laughs> yeah, it's getting really inception-y up in here. If anxiety gives you anxiety, then maybe... Yeah. Yeah. Just skip ahead. If you don't Mm -hmm. want to hear about anxiety because of your own personal anxiety. So we're bringing um, my good friend Christian on as a special guest. He is a therapist, a mental health professional, and he specializes in anxiety. So we are calling him and asking him questions and hopefully hopefully he can give us some insight a little bit. So we are going to call him. 
Hey there, Kristen. Hello. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing well. Good, good, good. So um, first off, we just want to get you to explain your specialty, why you chose what you do, and just a little bit more about yourself. All right. So um, I got my undergrad from USC in English and philosophy, and I didn't really know what I wanted to do with that. And after that time, I began seeing a the therapist myself for anxiety. And um, in my work with her, and, and it was several years long, I, I was able to come up with this idea of, of using what I learned in therapy and in my life as a person who experiences anxiety. I wanted to help other people in the same way she had helped me. So I went back to USC for a, a master's in their marriage couples family counseling program. Okay. And af after that, we moved, uh, my wife and I moved up to Chicago where after getting licensed, I was lucky enough to find a job at a private practice. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm going to let Hannah ask you some of the first questions okay. and then Katie and I will ask you some other questions. Hi, Christian. Um, so first question is just what is the science behind anxiety and what causes some people to have it while others don't? All right. So anxiety is really like any, um, it's like any other emotion and everybody experiences anxiety. Um, people experience it at, to different degrees, but it is something that we all do experience and it is a very normal thing to experience. Anxiety is what gets us motivated, what gets us to do things um, like evolutionarily, if we didn't have anxiety, we probably would not have survived this long as a species. Hmm. Um, anxiety is that it's what gets you moving and away from a dangerous situation from like a predator. But the issue comes in when there are no longer lions in the bushes. There are things like social situations. And sometimes um, a brain can for lack of a better word, get confused by that and signal danger where there isn't. And that, that's really what, when anxiety begins to become a problem. Um, does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. That's a really interesting perspective too. I mean, I shouldn't say perspective because it's science, but <laughs> thinking that really all of our anxious ancestors are the reason we're here today, so. It's all their fault. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. Awesome. So what what's the difference between anxiety and general stress? Okay, so stress can cause anxiety. Stress can cause any number of emotions. It can cause sadness, uh, anger, but uh, generally it does cause anxiety. Um, anxiety would be the actual feeling of anxiety. So <laughs> stress causes it. Um, so whether that be work, things like that. And a lot of the time, for most people, that's normal stress. I mean, jobs can be stressful. They can make you anxious. You have a big presentation. All of that is just normal. Um, like I said, it, it begins to become a problem when that anxiety impairs your daily function. Mm. Okay. Your, you know, your ability to function. Go ahead. Okay. I was going to ask. Um, this is Sandra again. Oh, hello. <laughs> Hi, Anne. Um, what is the definition of anxiety? So, um, I guess a broad definition would be it is it is part of the fear response of a person um, to perceived threat. So, okay. anything from physical, legitimate physical danger 
to nebulous social interactions and, and things like that. So it's how you perceive something and it's yeah, and it could be out of whack considering how realistic your thoughts are. Exactly. Okay. Got it. There are, there are any number of reasons that a person to use your language, their, their brain could get out of whack in that sense. Um, for example, like um, trauma, it can be learned behavior. Uh, it can be passed down through families in what is called non-genetic transmission. Um, there may actually be a genetic component as well. Um, but any, any number of these things can Influence predispose. It. Yeah, 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 they, yeah. Can, they can predispose a person uh, um, to react with more anxiety than, say, other people may in, in a certain situation. Yeah, because that was my one of my other questions was, is anxiety hereditary? And you kind of just went there. <laughs> right, right. Um, okay. And do you find in your in your work are is anxiety more prevalent in women? Good question. Um, that is a really tough question, and I, I would it would require me to go look at numbers because my first thought is yes, but the majority of people that I see seeking out therapy are female identified. Okay. And that has to do with complicated therapy and mental health stigmas mm-hmm. and socialization of genders um, between, um, in particular, men and women. Um, but I would have to actually look up the statistics on right. you know, um, normed polling of, of men and women. I guess that's right, because I guess it all is dependent on the, the way we get our data is if somebody actually goes to therapy. Right. And if people are actually honest, so I guess that's, that's <laughs> like, kind exactly. of a weird question. A lot of factors. No, I, because it, the I can tell you that it, it is the number one reported complaint when going to therapy. Mm. It's the it's the number one most experienced mental health disorder in the U.S. So I feel like a lot of people, including me, I feel like it's hard to even admit you have it because it almost seems like in my lifetime, everyone's like, oh, suck it up. You know, right. like you're fine, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. When really, it's much deeper than that. Like, I know my mom 100% has anxiety, and my, I specifically remember my dad being like, "Laura, just go drink a glass of wine, calm down." When really, that's like, yeah, sure, that's good, <laughs> that's great. I love a good glass of wine, but <laughs> I don't know if that's actually gonna help. That'll help in in a very acute way. But not long term. <laughs> right. It, it may not be the, the coping technique that is, is uh, most beneficial for her. Right. Right. In the long term. Yes. Yeah. So. So what I hearing you ask is like, how how does a person come to terms with the fact that they may have this and find the strength to name it? Mm hmm. Yeah. Okay, so oftentimes. When I, I mentioned earlier the stigma of therapy and of mental health issues, part of that does come down to a, a fact that for a very long time, that kind of stuff was viewed as weakness or as complaining. Mm-hmm. And through lack of understanding, lack of research surrounding these things, mm-hmm. and the lack of people who experience it having a voice um, for the long, for the long time, the longest time, the, the the loudest people were the ones that were viewed as right. So, if you experienced it, 
it was hard to to know well maybe this is normal i don't know what other people are experiencing it's kind of you know like um when i was a little kid i got glasses for the first time when i was like six years old and i remember thinking oh man i can see all the details and like leaves on the tree and my parents <laughs> were like why didn't you tell us that you could see that and i was like i i assumed that that's what everybody is like right how would i have known no that is a good that's <laughs> that's so funny because that's literally the exact thing that I noticed the first time I got glasses. Oh, <laughs> I saw yeah. the leaves on the trees. Yeah, I was the like, leaves. oh my God. Yeah, you yeah, can, they're, they're separate, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> they're not all together. Right, they're not made of jelly. <laughs> <laughs> my parents felt like terrible, terrible parents when I told them that. Oh, well. But they were terrible parents for other reasons. <laughs> <laughs> Your parents are saints. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I guess I have a personal question so my anxiety tends to manifest itself as like OCD not like touching doorknobs but like I'll just get this idea something will stress me out and I'll get this idea and I just can't let it go um so one example was one day I just wanted to walk in somewhere and get a haircut and it didn't have it printed on the door whether or not they took walk-ins so I was just like pacing back and forth like should I go in? Should I go in? Should I go in? And then I was like, I, I just can't go in because they're not going to take walk-ins and I'm going to look like a fucking idiot. And then I was just like so anxious and so stressed that I like I couldn't even do it. Like I didn't even want to get my phone out and like call them because I was like, they're going to think I'm stupid. And it's Aww. like I couldn't stop thinking about it. And it like bugged me for days. And so, I mean, I go to therapy, but I still like there are still things that will like trigger those like thoughts and I just like can't let them go. Is there a reason for that, <laughs> I guess? Or like, what's the difference between that and like other types of anxiety? Because when I explain yeah. my anxiety to someone, they're always like, well, yeah, mine's not like that. Right. So um, it sounds like this is something that uh, that comes up for you in your day to day, right? I mean, and regularly, probably. Regularly. Okay. So it's so uh, to kind of take a step back for your question, there are, if you want to think about like types of anxiety, there are like, there are five diagnosable types and um, each of those looks different. So you have like generalized anxiety disorder. That is the one that is a persistent daily worry about maybe nothing in particular. It is this feeling of always being on edge, right? Mm -hmm. You have social anxiety, which is, well, obviously what it sounds like, but it's this um, this idea that there's a perceived judgment involved. And it, it sounds pity like a little bit this is um, maybe what you're experiencing, this idea of I'm going to say or do something in this situation and they will think I'm dumb or they will think X or Y about me. And that fear of judgment promotes an, a, a, a lot of anxiety, so much so that you are now not even able to act because of it. Is that fair? Yes. And what was that uh, one called? Social anxiety. Okay. Um, there is panic disorder. Um, panic disorder is really panic attacks. So this would be somebody that experiences panic attacks with such regularity that they now meet the criteria for panic disorder. 
a person can experience generalized anxiety disorder with panic attacks, but they don't necessarily meet the, the criteria for a separate diagnosis. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So we also have OCD, which is um, also under the anxiety umbrella. And this is the idea that a person has obsessive thoughts about something and they try to cope and remedy those thoughts through compulsive behaviors. So Katie, you mentioned the like touching the doorknob, things like that. That's kind of like a classic example of it. But um, I think one of the hallmarks of all anxiety is this idea of obtrusive thoughts. This idea that I cannot stop thinking or worrying about this. Um, It has invaded my brain and I am no longer in control, right? Mm -hmm. And the fifth kind would be PTSD, which is an anxiety, uh, it's under the anxiety, traditionally associated with trauma of some kind. Um, It is quite literally a a rewiring of the brain to perceive threats where there aren't any. And um, so, Katie, to, to answer your your full question, those would be the types. And if you were to explain that to somebody, it sounds as though the anxiety you experience has a component that is tied in with how you think others perceive you. Is that fair? Mm-hmm. Does that answer your question? Yes, it does. I did not know that PTSD was a type of anxiety. Or OCD. Yes. That was something I did not know. So that's very interesting. And Hannah said, or OCD. We both didn't know those things. Right. um, Fell into that. We thought they're their own. I mean, they're their own disorder, but that's interesting to know that they fall into the same umbrella. Okay. Um, I was curious about anxiety attacks tips and tricks to make them less severe can they be prevented or are they something that you just live with and you have to control right so is this is this my life now kind of thing. so um when you say anxiety attacks what what does that what does that mean to you what does that look like to me i don't even know if i have them i'm kind of okay. just asking generally but to me okay. they would look like maybe not even look like anything it might just all okay. be in, in t- interior and okay gotcha that's I mean, you could have like you know racing heartbeat trouble breathing okay. um things that probably even look like the beginning the beginning signs of a heart attack but really they're an anxiety attack gotcha so um there are a, a good a good number of of research backed what we would call like evidence-based practices for, for um, managing anxiety. So things like, um, are you familiar with mindfulness? Yes. Have you ever heard of that term? Yes, definitely. Okay, cool. So um, mindfulness is one, breathing techniques kind of wrapped into mindfulness, um, obviously therapy, but um, um, progressive muscle relaxation, technique and these can be things that a therapist would instruct a client help the client understand what they look like and kind of fill their toolbox with um 
techniques to use when they feel anxiety building. So whether they're a socially anxious person, they're a person who's anxious about driving, any of these situations that they know triggers their anxiety, they have tools in their toolbox so they don't have to go running for a glass of wine, for example. Hmm. Right? Right. So, for example, like mindfulness is one of my favorites. It comes from, I think it comes from like Eastern practices. Um, and the, really the idea is to ground yourself in the present. Mm-hmm. So if we conceptualize anxiety as our brain being everywhere, but the present, right? you are think you are thinking about something that happened a week ago. You're thinking about a test in two weeks, something a month away, 10 years away, all of these things you are no longer in the present moment. So it would stand to reason if we can bring our brains back into the present, maybe we can kind of combat some of this anxiety. And mindfulness is the way of bringing ourselves back into the present. We can do that through breathing techniques, such as like focusing on uh, on your breathing, what it feels like, um, the sensation of breathing, body scans, um, and I mean, there's there's a bunch of techniques that you wanted me to get into that I can, but otherwise, that's kind of the general answer for one of my favorite methods for managing anxiety. Right. Because I, I feel like that's totally my anxiety is it, it nothing's ever in the present, which is right. Maybe that's with everybody, probably. But my husband's no, using I- a leaf blower right now. <laughs> Good. Dang it, Mike. Thank you for doing the chores. Fucking Mike. Um, <laughs> no, but I feel like I always think about things that happened in the past, like they're over. And then I think about things that have not even happened. They won't right. probably ever happen, but I picture them and I feel like they're real. And therefore, yeah. it just causes, you know, all this like, like upset. Exactly. That's, that's, a, that's a clinical term, too. So um, the. One of the like the shittiest things about anxiety is that if you're no longer in the present, you're really not there. So, for example, my anxiety gets really bad when I travel. So I will arrive on our on our vacation and we're there, and I'm still so anxious. I'm not even enjoying it, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And something that's been actually useful for me is that um, my wife and I will do a grounding technique to make sure that me especially, but also her, that we are in the present and actually aware of what's happening right now instead of thinking about where am I going to park the car later tonight? Like, right. Oh, my gosh. It just kind of, it can rob you of your ability to enjoy. To enjoy things, life. Especially, yeah, especially new experiences. Mm-hmm. Okay, Christian. So that leads me to a question as someone who doesn't experience ang- much anxiety or I guess over anxiety, but my husband does. So what are some things I can do as the partner of someone with anxiety to help him when he's, you know, in the midst of an anxiety attack or like a heightened anxious episode? That's a fantastic question. Um, So I think one of the first questions that can be helpful is asking your partner, what do you need from me right now? Mm -hmm. It sounds like you know your partner well enough to know that that they're, um, they're having a moment of anxiety and for anybody tries to jump in and try to fix something for somebody, just asking, what do you need right now? And 
being able to to help in the way that they say. They say, I don't know, I need 10 minutes by myself. I need some alone time. I need X or Y, right? Mm -hmm. To try to to meet those immediate needs. Like I said, when we travel, my wife and I have kind of had this conversation about what I need to become present for those trips. So she and I have like kind of messed around with some techniques and stuff. And um, we use a specific grounding technique called the five senses grounding technique. Um, so I, I think to fully answer your question, it's two things. Having a conversation in the moment, as much as they want to have a conversation, right? Yeah. We don't want to keep asking them a million, a million questions, but also having conversations when they're not anxious to prepare for the next time that they are. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> We're almost done. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> okay. So what am I skin picking, dude? <laughs> what put, the hell is that? Put some context around when that. I, I will be just sitting on the couch watching a show and not even realizing that I'm tearing my fingers apart and I look down and they're just bleeding. And I'm like, what the hell am I doing? But I don't even know I'm doing it. And mm-hmm. it, I've had to really, really, really try and notice when I am doing it and put a Band-Aid on them. Or like, it sounds so ridiculous, but it's just... Well, it's similar to like nail biting too as an anxious mm-hmm. side. Yeah, it's frustrating. So why is that? Why do people do... I think there's an actual term for this and I can't remember the name of it. Like dermatillism. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so like, and, and interestingly, if you, there's a term for, if you just skin pick uh, or nail, nail biting. And there's a different term if you actually, uh, if you ingest what you pick off or bite off. Oh, mm. but that's a completely different side note, but it's a really good question. Um, I mean, nail biting is kind of the classic example, and it sounds like for you, um, you know, either picking or biting at, at certain parts of your fingers. Um, I, 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 I'm thinking that, like most anxiety, I think the the real root of what's happening with anxiety is control, mm-hmm. and anxiety thrives in a lack of control. So. I kind of view those kinds of behaviors, whether it be anything from a from OCD a person, some, somebody arranging things in order, um, to a person uh, cleaning furiously, biting their <laughs> nails. Um, it, all of these are trying to restore a sense of control over an unrelated. Um, Consequ- or unrelated situation. So, for example, in like OCD, a person could have a, an intense fear of driving and they have somehow found comfort in, say, unlocking the door 25 times mm-hmm. because they want to lock it perfectly. From that comes a sense of control. They don't feel like they have control while driving. And they don't because there's other drivers. But the anxiety of that is too much to handle. So if I can't have control over that, well, I'm going to have control over this one small thing and you'll be damn sure it's going to be perfect. Hmm. So when it comes to things like biting your nails, biting your fingers, 
um, picking at stuff, I think two things are happening. I'm wondering if it's a release of nervous energy. So if you're anxious, your brain is, is quite literally revved up, ready to go. It has perceived some kind of threat, whether real or not. So your, your body, it's, it's the same as like a, a, a leg, leg jiggling, things like that, fidgeting. Right. There is now, there's now energy that needs to be spent. Second, I think that it, it, it I kind of conceptualize that stuff as, as a way to um, assert some kind of control over your body. Almost like it doesn't hurt or it, it does hurt, but I, I'm still in control. I can do this. Right. No one can tell me not to. Nothing can stop me from doing this. I'm doing this. this is my choice. Right. Sense? Right. Yeah, definitely. And I feel like in the moment, I know that I'm doing it to try and perfect. Like I see a piece of skin and I'm like, oh, make that yeah. go away. And then it just right. keeps going and going and going until it's, it's obviously bleeding and worse. And like right. then it's like you look like a diseased <laughs> um, person. <laughs> So, yeah. Any kind of diseased person. I actually bought this um, little fidgeter from Amazon. It's like a little Mm -hmm. cube, and it has, like, on each side different things. And I I keep it in areas that I normally do it. Mm -hmm. And it seems to have helped. But then when something really hits me, like something super stressful, and it also happens a lot when I drink alcohol. Right. And um, Uh, it's frustrating. I have no, I think probably because I have, dude, I have no idea. <laughs> I have no clue. All I yeah. know, it is not just one glass of wine. Like it, if I have like three or more drinks, it happens. Really? If I have like one yeah. or two glasses of wine, I'm obviously more in control and I know not to do right. it. So it sounds, it sounds like once your defenses get lowered a little bit, uh, it's just come down to like, ah, oh, fuck it. Mm hmm. I know. I'm ta- I'm talking to you right now, playing with a hairband that's my wife's. <laughs> um, because as I'm talking to you, I I notice myself feeling anxious, and I am playing fidgeting with this thing. Well, can't escape. It. Yeah, no, 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 no. It's hard, and even mm-hmm. medication sometimes don't even fix it. It's just yeah. a matter of mind over matter. So I guess that's kind of one of my last questions in terms of anxiety medication. um, Do you feel like it's overused, underused? What are your feelings on anxiety medication? Yeah. So I think medication as a whole for things like anxiety, uh, I think they're tools Um, in the same way that you would not build a house with only one tool with a hammer. I I think that to, to hope that, one thing fixes everything, maybe setting up for failure. Now there are mental health um, mental health disorders that uh, I that rely much heavier on much more heavily on, on medication than say anxiety. But since we're specifically talking about anxiety, um, I I am not a fan of only prescribing medication for somebody. Granted, I don't prescribe medication. I can't prescribe medication. But if a person wants, if a person's anxiety is to the point that it is impairing their daily functioning, it's of my opinion and my theoretical orientation when it comes to therapy that there's probably something more going on here than just 
of it or a feeling you want to get rid of. Yeah. And to throw medicine at it, I don't think is, is doing it, giving it the respect that it deserves. Hmm. So there's typically like two types of when, when you medicate somebody for anxiety, there's going to be like, and I am, I'm not a doctor, so I don't know all the specific terms for these things, but there's going to be something that you're, you're going to take every day. This would be like an SSRI. Mm-hmm. You've heard of that before? Yes. Um, and these are things that you take daily. They manage uh, anxiety symptoms. Then you're going to have your, your um, medications that you take as you need them. These are going to be um, like Xanax, Klonopin. Um, these, are neat. these are taken for like panic attacks. Mm-hmm. Um, they're generally not prescribed for daily use. Uh, I mean, I don't think they're supposed to be, but I know they are sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, these are ones, these are called benzos. You ever heard of that one? Yep. Um, yes, we have. They're, <laughs> right? they're very popular because they're fast acting and they, they can make you feel good, all of these things. But they, they are incredibly addictive and they're quite dangerous with alcohol. So I don't quite understand what people are doing when they take both. But um, so those are like as needed. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And I... Uh, go ahead, Sandra's sorry, got one. Sorry, sorry, No, 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 go. Adding on to that, I feel like when you're saying you don't just want to do medication, you want, like, the way you're perce- looking at that is the way I look at, like, me trying to lose weight. Like, yeah. I can't just do one thing to fix it. I have to do multiple things to fix it. I can't just right. take a pill and it's all going to get better. I have to practice right. with my mind. I have to practice with control. I have to exercise. I have to eat better. It's like multiple things go into fixing this problem that you want to go away. Um, exactly. And that's kind of how I see you looking at it, where right. medication is obviously not a bad thing. It can help everybody. It can help them. But yeah, there's, well, other, there's other things you should try too, absolutely. in addition. It's like Something a, that... Oh, go ahead. I said it's just like a recipe. Yeah, yeah. Something that really, what at the time, wasn't meaningful because I wasn't really aware of why my doctor was doing this. But something that's very meaningful to me now is um, back when I knew I was experiencing, I, I didn't really know the term for it, it what would later be diagnosed as, as generalized anxiety disorder. I went actually went to my, like, um, primary care physician, just my normal doctor. And, you know, he, he did it the right way. So many doctors will just prescribe medication and that's it. He prescribed me medication only after I proved, I I sent him proof that I had scheduled an appointment with the therapist. Mm -hmm. And at the time I kind of felt like it was a normal practice, but you know, looking back on it from where I am now, I know it's not a normal practice and it's actually really admirable of him to do that because he didn't he he didn't want to just throw medication at it like you need to go talk to somebody about this stuff as hard as it is right no he did his he did his job like the doctors are trained to treat the whole person and not i totally understand because i went to a primary care and they immediately threw medication at me there wasn't any you know you should go to try therapy first or you should try this first it was like Mm -hmm almost like they wanted me to get out of the office <laughs> like take this and you'll feel better and right oftentimes it's thought of like you know any other i have diabetes oh you take insulin you're good to go 
Right. Or I have, you know, you know, any, no, I have indigestion. Take this. You're good to go. Mm -hmm. But if there's a, if there's a mental component to it, it, it's far more complicated than just doing that. Right. Totally understand. Anna, did you have something else to? No. Sorry. I'm, I'm good. That's it for my questions. I guess to round it all out, um, Christian, for the people who are listening who may feel like they have anxiety, what would you recommend as the first step for someone who wants to take back control of their anxiety? Okay. So before I get to that question, because I am very passionate about the kind of the kind of uh, anxiety that most intrigues me, I would be remiss if I didn't at least mention uh, what is called existential anxiety. Oh, yes. Okay. I'm glad you brought that up because that's super no, no. interesting. Right. So, and I'll tie this answer into to answer your question. So, um, my, you know, typically, not typically, all therapists, I think, should have what is called a theoretical orientation. And this is um, like a home theory that they use to conceptualize most clients that they see. And because I see so many people with anxiety, this is kind of how I approach um, conceptualizing most anxiety is existentially. And what I mean by that is that a lot of anxiety, I believe, comes from the idea of a person trying to understand, cope with, and accept the fact that they're going to die. Hmm. And oftentimes it's not as blatant or, or upfront as a person, say, who comes in with anxiety of a fear of death. But, you know, a person who comes in and has been feeling more anxious about their job and they don't like their job, and they're not happy. And uh, I, I like to, I work with people who they know something's not right in their life and they want to find what gives it meaning. Um, and, you know, there are, there are some existential uh, therapists who will go as far to say all anxiety is existential anxiety. Uh, okay, calm down. Got a little existential boner there. Right, right. Um, but I, I do think a lot of um, a lot of uh, generalized anxiety can be conceptualized as existential anxiety. But um, that's just it, it is one way of looking at it. But you know, when I my like my ideal client to work with would somebody would be somebody who knows something isn't right with their life mm -hmm. and knows that they're not doing what they want. They know that they, they don't have meaning. They can't find purpose. They don't feel fulfilled. Mm -hmm. And in the, in the absence of those things, anxiety can creep in. Okay. Depression can creep in. And they're, they're kind of the early warning signs of lead, lead, living a, a purposeless life. It, it's, uh, it's, it seems to be stronger in people who don't identify strongly with a faith. Mm -hmm. a, lot of, a lot of faith has built-in meaning. So um, a lot of the people I see are people who don't prescribe to a faith, and they struggle with finding what's, what, what gives their life meaning in the face of dying. Okay. And um, I think that a lot of that, a lot of anxiety comes from 
a, I don't like using the word, but an unconscious fear of admitting to themselves that this isn't a meaningful life. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And depression is definitely tied in with that as well. So well, now you're speaking my language. Okay. <laughs> oh, okay. So <laughs> yeah. Now let's talk Christian. <laughs> but um, Depression being the other anxiety, grief and depression are the, my, my three big favorite things. Okay. <laughs> there are a few of my favorite things. Um, but so to answer your question about a person who may be listening to this and realizing maybe maybe hearing that word anxiety for the first time and actually hearing it in association with how they feel Mm -hmm. and they're like maybe i do experience that kind of the first steps are trying to determine what you want kind of having an honest conversation with yourself of like is this what i want do i want to feel this way is it okay some people may say yeah i can deal with it Some people may be at a point where they're saying like, no, this is keeping me from doing things that I want to do. Um, It's making my day so exhausting that maybe they find themselves getting depressed as well. Mm -hmm. It can be hard to get up sometimes if you know that your day is going to be so exhausting and anxious. It may just be easier to stay in bed, right? Yeah. So kind of having that conversation with themselves to see what do I want and if a person does want to begin doing work on it, I think that the best first step you can make is is reaching out for therapy. I know it's a hard step. I think it can be helpful to seek out people who have experienced therapy before. Mm-hmm. Again, it's tough. A lot of people don't say that stuff in public. They don't talk about going to therapy. But having somebody that's done it before can be a huge advocate for it. Hopefully they had a good experience doing it. Um, so yeah, I, I would uh, I would hope that the first place to start would be therapy by going sitting down with a therapist. Would it be helpful for me to relay information on how to find one? Yeah, actually, that would be hugely helpful because I know when I first kind of accepted, and it, like you said, it's a hard decision. When I first accepted that I needed to talk to a therapist, I had no idea where to start. Right. So there are a couple avenues. The most, the one that's going to give you the most names, if you're just wanting names, is to be to contact your health insurance company if you have health insurance. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if you contact them, they're going to give you a list of who is in network with them okay. in your area. And they, you will just get a huge list of names. Um, if that seems a little bit too overwhelming, one of my favorite places to go is psychologytoday.com. Psychologytoday.com. Yes. Okay. So Psychology Today is a, I think it originally began as a print magazine. They still make a magazine. Mm-hmm. It's also a website. They have articles, stuff like that. But they have a gigantic searchable database of social workers, psychologists, psychiatrists, and therapists, uh, and counselors, therapists, counselors. And you can search by a health insurance company, area, age, gender, sexual orientation, um, presenting concerns. So this would be like what you're experiencing, your symptoms, Mm -hmm. Uh, what kind, if if your therapy savvy, what kind of therapy they practice, that would be like, whether it's like CBT or existential, humanistic, you know, things like that. 
So it, the search terms can be as, uh, as simple or as complicated as you'd like. And um, that's, that's one of my favorite places to go because you get to see pictures, you get to read bios written by the therapist. And I would hope that the therapist would have written a bio that would have given a good impression of who they are mm -hmm. so that the person can say, this, this person's going to speak in my language, right? You want your therapist to be a good fit, right? Yeah. And um, to have, be able to have that bio is, can be very helpful for a lot of people. The third option is the one I, I said that I, that's how I got in touch with my therapist was I went to my primary care doctor. And if you go to your primary care doctor and ask, you know, I want to see a therapist, they're going to help you find one. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And that's, that's, sorry. Sorry. No, I was going to say those are the best places to start. Yeah. And that's what we're trying to do here is help people to not be so scared to admit or mm -hmm. to open up. Just to look um, for help. Kind of like a little third avenue where people can listen and be like, oh, I'm not the, oh my God, that's George. Do you hear him? Do you hear our cat? No, I don't. I don't. Oh, weird. Okay. I hear him. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> you're, you're there. Uh, I'm not actually there right now. I know, but he's just so loud. I just, okay. Figured everyone, even on the planet. Oh, yeah. um, it's like he echoes throughout fucking eternity never mind eternity exactly <laughs> <laughs> no we just want to be like an, an extra avenue for people to go to especially if they don't have the money to go to therapy they don't have the means they are experiencing this and maybe not maybe they don't even have health insurance to go see a doctor uh, right um, and that that's an excellent thank you for naming that um psychology today you know they, they list all of the the payment options for therapists oh and, you know, a lot of therapists will do sliding fees. So that would be like, depending on how much you can pay, they can slide their fee if you don't have health insurance. Um, because I think that one of the biggest issues that's come up with therapy over the past 20, 30 years has been that therapy has been a luxury. Right. It has only been affordable for people who can uh, have the means to do so and thus kind of perpetuating the cycle of the people with the money are the ones that get the help. Right. And when people without money, just as much, if not more <laughs> need, need uh, help with mental health. And it's, it's, it's a real shame. So uh, it is, there has been a, a big push uh, in the therapy community to offer rates that are affordable. A lot of therapists um, tried to take, Medicare and Medicaid um, that mm -hmm. presents its own problems because it, it, it is being a government program can be very time-consuming. Yeah, restrictive, time-consuming for the therapists themselves, but a lot of them take it. They feel it is it is their uh, it's um, what's the word I'm looking for? Responsible mm. to accept. But not everybody accepts Medicare and Medicaid. I will make that. But. Right. I mean, it, it that's a whole nother episode. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, healthcare right. in America. We don't have time for that. <laughs> healthcare in the United the US of A. <laughs> so that's a three hour one. <laughs> that's three hours. <laughs> so anyway, well But uh, yeah. Thanks for having me on. Thank you so, so much for talking with us because you just answered a bunch of questions we had and a lot of things you said I had no clue. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time oh, and good 
for your perspective and education because none of us got a master's degree in family counseling. So <laughs> we appreciate right. you doing that. So we didn't have to. Yeah. I appreciate <laughs> the fact that you guys have a, uh, a platform to spread things that I think are important. Yes. And let me share that. You're welcome. Uh, duh, <laughs> duh, Christian, anytime, anytime. So um, we'll have a good night. Take my friend on a date. Tell her we said hello. <laughs> no, no, she's actually out right now. I'm Whoa. Sitting. Yeah, she had a work party. Whoa, she's out in the town. <laughs> yeah. Is it snowing up there yet? I can never live in Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> You know it's cold, right? It's like cold, right? Y'all are going <laughs> to die. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, thanks again. And of course. Have a great night. We appreciate you. You too. Bye. Bye. So that was awesome. Thank you, Christian, for talking to us. I hope everyone enjoyed it. Thank you so much. Yeah, that was awesome. Mm-hmm. And we look forward to hearing you on NPR one day. Yes. Perfect NPR voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I um, thank you guys for uh, bringing me on. Thank you for having me. Uh, interestingly. Perfect. <laughs> Christian, you have a second job if you ever need one. <laughs> so in addition to Christian's smooth talking voice, what else are we loving this week, ladies? You go first. Okay, I'm loving my Cricut machine. Yes. I finally got one. Yes, 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 yes. And I have been playing with it all the time. It's so cool. It does so much stuff. It can draw. <laughs> it can cut. It can do all these crazy things, and I'm obsessed with it. And I made myself a sticker for my car that's a Ouija planchette. And I bought some vinyl today to make other stickers, and it's got Star Wars on it. And I was literally having a fucking freak out in Joanne's because I was like, just look at it. Just look at it all. There's so many possibilities. It can do everything. I was like, I can finally have a real scrapbook because before I, like, I can't cut in a straight line. So anytime I was trying to scrapbook, it was like, <laughs> and so now I have a machine that just cuts straight lines for me. And it's fucking cool. It's That's a me. damn robot. I need to it say is. It. It's awesome. I sent you guys the video of it drawing, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, those lines are so crisp. Yeah. <sighs> I just love it so much. I can't believe I went so many years without having one. I'm going to send you all of our logos and the I, Kenny Powers. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I do know all the letters have to touch. Mm, yeah, that heart is going to be a challenge yeah and then it has that like little connection yeah well no the listen in our logo that all touches we may have to do just a send me those fonts and then i had to do a lot of manipulation for um, it and then the kenny powers one is actually hand drawn because you know that's how i roll mm-hmm. you should just come over and play with it okay actually the cricket design stuff is all online so you can Oh, I can just design something on. Mm. Sweet. Okay, well, I'm going to play with that and send you shit. Okay. That's what I'm loving this week. I get to yeah. send Katie stuff to, to cut out on her cricket machine. Make me stuff. I'm going to make you that squirrel. I think you. <coughs> I think you. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I've been using. I have the comb. Where's my purse? I have the comb in my purse. My comb. Mm. <laughs> and I use it every day at work. Oh, I really like it. And my coworkers asked me where I got it. And I was like, well. Do they want one? Because I can make them one. They Um, probably like that. I made Frasier his own comb. Well, actually, (laughs) I was just, I got a set of comb molds for my resin stuff. And I was like playing with one. And one of them got bubbles in it. 
And so it's like when you brush it on people hair, the bubbles like pop and then like catches it because it's sharp. Mm-hmm. But I use it as a Fraser specific comb and he loves it so much. Like, <laughs> I'm like, you want the comb? And he like doesn't give a shit about anything, but he's like, fuck yeah. Like, <laughs> and so it's like, I told you guys I was doing push ups and I'll do 10 push ups and then I'd brush Fraser 10 times, 10 push ups. Aww. That's really cute. The picture you sent was so cute because you could see like little comb lines in his hair. <laughs> he was just like ready for more. He was like, why'd you stop? I'm here for this. I can tell you Kelsey would want one. Like, I can make her a keychain She 100% comb. is the one that would want it the most, I think. Anybody have a comb? So you want to have a comb? I'm loving the fact that I'm going to be at the beach at Folly next week. I'm With jealous. my family. Family beach trip. And then next Saturday, I leave for Austria. Um, so, so it's jelly. just, I know. I'm like, wait, yeah. oh my God, all of this is happening. Um, got my hotels booked Yay. and they look just so European, which is cool. Like they always just do things better. Like I'm like, <laughs> what the hell? Yeah. Why? Why but, can't we? Ch- they've had more time, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> like, I feel like the, they care a little bit more. That too. About that aesthetics too. and keeping things looking cohesive whereas we like to just throw up a fucking square yeah and and these hotel rooms aren't like you know amazing they're just simple Mm -hmm. like it's not like they're decorated like crazy nice it's just it's what you need practically but also looks super comfortable yeah um but the first hotel is at this golf resort because my boss likes to golf of course and he's going to be there with me for the first week and he's like so uh we stay here at this this hotel yeah and i'm like uh, whatever yeah. and i looked it up and it's literally on a golf resort i'm like okay i see what you're doing here that means but they have a good spa buddy they do and yep. it's included in your hotel stay nice see, so that's- is the other hotel and the other i'm like what it's included mm. they have like ultra sonic uh the red sauna rays you can get in there and like helps with weight shit do you know what i'm talking about no Mm-mm. it's like infrared saunas oh I've never heard of that. Look it up. Okay, I will. Um, they have those there. So they sound really cool. There's that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, that's the cool thing about any golf resort is that they assume that the wives are not going to want to play golf, so they do yeah. something like a spa. I have a vagina. I know. I don't need to the spa. I don't want to play golf. I, I don't want to play golf. <laughs> <laughs> Massage me. <laughs> um... <laughs> No, but I'm really excited because the weekend that I'm going to have free time, I'm going to go to Salzburg, Austria, which is where The Sound of Music was filmed. Also, so I'm going to run up the hill and be like, the hills are alive. Spin in circles. Oh, yeah. So many circles. Better not be raining. (laughs) Be like, God, not the time. (laughs) (laughs) I've been dreaming about this my entire life. I didn't even know it was a dream that could come true, but it's going to. (laughs) And then I had forgotten that Mozart was born in Salzburg. So you can go and see where he was born. You can go see where he practiced piano. I can like play on some of his pianos I read. That's awesome. Buy a ticket to like play on the freaking pianos that he practiced on. That's really fucking cool. That's amazing. I'm like, okay. Here in South Carolina, it's like, well, we got barbecue. (laughs) (laughs) It's racist, uh, but it tastes good. It's racist and it tastes good. (laughs) (laughs) Like that's our history. Pretty much. So... Anyway, that's what I'm. That's what I'm loving. I'm that's a so really excited. cool thing to love. Mm-hmm. I'm excited for you. I'm like happy for you, but also I hate you. I know, and I know, so I know, I know, I know. I remember 
like a year or two ago, Mike's brother Jeff was like, yeah, I'm going to Indy next week for work. And I was like, oh, really? You are? Wow. <laughs> cool. Great. Yeah, Indy is great, but like, whatever. That's what I would do. But then I was also like, fuck off. But I want to go. <laughs> right. Yeah. What is, is Austria known for anything delicious that you could bring us back? Like any candies or chocolates? Or oh, anything? yeah. Speaking of candy, Canadian Kit Kats. Are they gone? Yes, look at that face. Sandra. <laughs> they are a thing of the past. I said this. I said it in the text. I said, don't leave those And here. I said, save one for me. I want to do this. <laughs> what? I don't know. I didn't see that. Um, They're with I- your bag. Uh, <laughs> I ate your bag. <laughs> the truth comes out. Sandra, that's not for food. You're probably going to die. <laughs> Because I'm going to kill you because you ate the fucking Kit Kats. I'm going to die. <laughs> wow. Um, God, forgive me. That's all I got. It's Katie, forgive me. Sorry. That's right. Um, I really want to tell you what I did with them, though. The Kit Kats. I don't want to know. Did you put them in ice cream? Did you scoop the ice cream out with them? Like a little spoon. They'd break. they break so easily. Mm, depends on your ice cream. Mm, the Kit Kats, those were very delicate. They break me off a piece of that Kit Kat bar. I mean, I'm just saying, you take two that are stuck together, that's the perfect spoon. Mm. And I know because Good I've for soft it. serve. Oh, I know because I've done it. I can tell you that. I crushed them up and put them in a bowl of chocolate chip cookie dough ice cream. So you didn't even enjoy them on their own? Girl, I did too. Don't worry about uh, it. There how many were there? in that damn bag. What? <laughs> You're not helping. Hold on. I'll, I'll, Sandra! I'll, I'll go throw up. <laughs> I'll try and find them. <laughs> they can't be digested by now, right? It's from Canada. Right. It was when a Canadian-sized bag. I mean, it was big. Back? When are you going back? I'm so sorry. I have no plans <laughs> to go back anytime. You might get an Amazon gift. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted one. <laughs> well, god damn it. I didn't. Hold on. Maybe there is one. Now I'm. What the fuck? <laughs> I kicked that to her earlier. I don't know what, what the, the fuck. Is it poops? <laughs> oh, it's a dog <laughs> treat. Poops. <laughs> I might give it to her. Is it poops? <laughs> <laughs> it's like you're just picking them up with your hands, man. Like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that scene in Baby Mama where her sister, oh she's like, is that chocolate or poop? Wait. <gasps> okay, There's good. One, that was the last oh my God. Okay, so we get to record this. Yeah, I'm not the devil. <laughs> I could have been, I did not know that was. In <laughs> wow. Oh, I needed that laugh so bad. <laughs> You're taking way too long. I can't get it open. <laughs> the excitement. I'm, I'm getting anxious. Oh, there we go. Okay. All right. Get really close when you. They're different, but they're so good. What's different about them, though? I don't they know. They taste the same, but no, different. They're more milk chocolatey. Yeah, I think they're like almost softer, like more delicate. You've had the milk chocolate from Germany. They taste like that to me. Like it's like the type of milk chocolate they. They probably don't use fake the milk we have here. <laughs> you know, corn syrup. Mm-hmm. There's no corn syrup. <laughs> oh, the they're corn. good what they are they're good mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah 
Okay. I feel I'm like so much now. happier now. Right? Okay. <laughs> oh, thank God. Good, 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 good. Have good. fun editing that. That's going to be fun. A good, a good, a good. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm loving. Oh. <laughs> Let's get back to me. Um, <laughs> no, I'm loving the Sinisterhood podcast. So, Katie, thank you for recommending that one. I was literally cry laughing yesterday. Was that when I texted mm-hmm. you? So the first episode they have available, the hosts talk about taking a shit in an In-N-Out bag. (laughs) And I literally was like wheezing. I could not stop laughing. It was one of the funniest things I've ever listened to. So, And, you know, they're a true crime, creepy, cult, all things weird and sinister podcast. Yeah, super fucking funny. And smart. Yeah, very smart. One of them's a lawyer. Like us. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I'm a lawyer. (laughs) When you get drunk, you are... (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I might just start my life as like a con artist. Yeah, open up a law practice. I still think you should go to law school. Yeah, like you can be the better call Saul of our group. Get you out of trouble. Mm-hmm. We're gonna need that. All evidence points to us needing a lawyer one day. So, <laughs> loving sinisterhood. They're funny, but also really professional and awesome. The mm. end. I agree. I've listened to that podcast. Yeah, not the whole thing. But a few episodes here and there. So and you didn't hear the in and out bag story? I did. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good one. There. Um, oh my god. But that was. I feel like that was a while ago. It was. It's the first one they have available on iTunes. So I started at the beginning. Yeah. Same. No. When I I subscribed to it, I was still at my last job. It's a long time ago though. Yeah. It's the one about the cave diver that goes missing. Mm-hmm. So. But yeah, all very well researched, but they're funny. Extremely they make me laugh. funny. Extremely funny. Okay. Well, cool. Everybody, thank you so much for listening in. Um, I personally, I know we all are, but I personally am so excited about today getting mm-hmm. to talk to Christian and him giving us a little more knowledge. Yeah. A lot more knowledge than we had. Pers- I mean, I so many things I didn't know about. Now I do. And we really appreciate you, Christian. So uh, next week. <laughs> we don't know yet. It's going to be a surprise for everybody. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We haven't decided. The following week, we're going to do another episode of our mental health series. It either will be depression or eating disorders. So that will be the following episode. If you have any recommendations, uh, message us on Instagram or email us. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'd love to get those. And we want to talk about things you guys want to actually listen to. <laughs> yeah. So uh, reach out. Then please review and subscribe. Yes. We need you guys. Come on. Do it right now. Don't you leave until you do it. (laughs) Whoa. Yeah, we're gonna get aggression. We're gonna get semi subscribers because of that. (laughs) Don't don't be scared. Just please go subscribe. They're not scared. They're gonna do what I said. Okay. (laughs) Okay, please go do what Sandra said. Mm -hmm. (laughs) All right. Well, we'll talk to you next time. Thanks. We love you. Bye. Bye. Goodbye, everybody. This has been Listen, You Beautiful Bitch, a shady self-help podcast for our younger selves. We hope that you like what you heard. So if you did, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe at wherever you listen to your podcast so you don't miss any new episodes. Later, bitches.